This is Affliction Fiction, a podcast regarding writers and artists who quite literally make their characters sick. I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. On this show, we analyze illnesses that exist in fictional works, such as TV, books, and film, and how they relate to the real world. And this week, we'll be looking at an unnamed disorder from the original animated TV series, Gravity Falls. You know, they say that gravity falls, but do you know what else falls? What? Their ratings. Yeah, I didn't like this show. What? But that's, that's none of, that's besides the point. <laughs> okay, Rick and Morty sw- t-shirt wearing person. Gravity Falls is a cartoon series developed for Disney Channel by Alex Hirsch, which follows Dipper and Mabel Pines, who are sent to live with their great uncle Stan in the town of Gravity Falls, Oregon for the summer. The town is home to a great number of paranormal occurrences, most of which seem to stem from the Mystery Shack, the tourist attraction owned by Stan. Stan? Isn't that what I do to the cast of Stranger Things? You stan the cast of Stranger Things? Um, talented and unproblematic? We stan. Do you even watch Stranger Things? Anyway, in one episode... A pair of government operatives named Agent Powers and Agent Trigger show up at the Mystery Shack and state their intention to investigate the peculiar happenings of the town. As Stan attempts to dispel their wishes to inspect the Mystery Shack, Agent Powers mentions his odd affliction. Welcome to the Mystery Shack, gentlemen. What can I get you? Keychains? Snow globes? These rare photos of American presidents? My name is Agent Powers. This is Agent Trigger. We're here to investigate reports of mysterious activity in this town. Activity? Mysterious activity? In a mystery shack? You gotta be joking! I assure you I am not. I was born with a rare disorder that makes me physically incapable of experiencing humor. (laughs) I don't understand that sound you're making with your mouth. Now if you'll excuse us, we're conducting an investigation. Investigation? Now, it isn't impossible for an inhibited sense of humor to be the primary or even the only symptom of a disease, but more often than not, an alteration in sense of humor is typically just one smaller symptom of an otherwise different condition. Our first example is a disease we've discussed on the show multiple times, including last week. We're talking about Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. A 2015 research study published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease found that people with a form of dementia are less likely to find amusement in more complex humor styles, such as satirical comedy and absurdist comedy, but surprisingly, they are more likely to continue to enjoy simpler forms of humor like slapstick. Is slapstick like chapstick? An important distinction, however, is that while an inhibited understanding of humor as a symptom of Alzheimer's disease develops very late in life, Agent Powers has been missing his ability to comprehend jokes since birth. This case is also more of a dampening of sense of humor rather than the complete absence of one, as the ability to perceive something as funny isn't eliminated so much as it is misallocated. Rather than laughing at things typically regarded as humorous, These patients were found to be more likely to laugh at unfortunate and inappropriate things, such as disasters being broadcast on the news and other people's mishaps. We can also narrow things down to a more specific form of humor. Sarcasm. Understanding sarcasm is a comparatively complex task. A person must be able to weigh the words spoken, the tone of voice used, and any corresponding visual cues to determine whether someone actually means what they're saying. Because of this, the ability to understand sarcasm largely relies on the ability to detect lies, which occurs in the frontal lobe of the brain. 
According to researchers at the University of California, San Francisco, this ability can be inhibited by diseases and disorders that cause this part of the brain to degenerate, for instance, frontotemporal dementia. Further research from Johns Hopkins University confirms these findings, and places a particular emphasis on damage to the right hemisphere of the brain, causing a disruption in the ability to perceive sarcasm. Presumably, this would make sense, as the right hemisphere of the brain is associated with creativity. Just ask Bo Burnham. This is Bo's right brain. Subjective. Creative. Sensory. Aware of feelings. Aware of people. He's emotional. And an idiot. That's your opinion. We can also take a look at a condition that could in some sense be considered the opposite of the disorder Agent Powers has. It's called Witzelzucht. According to Dr. Elias Grenadillo and Dr. Mario F. Mendez of the Journal of Neuropsychiatry and Clinical Neurosciences, Witzelzucht, rather than causing a person to become completely dissociated from humor, gives people a continuous compulsion to tell nonsensical jokes and puns at socially inconvenient and inappropriate times. Hang on, Jennifer. You're telling me that if a person were to hypothetically, make puns in excess at times that they aren't called for, then he or she could technically be considered to have a disease? Yes. Oh no. Oh no is right. In one sense, Witzelzucht is massively different from Agent Powers disorder because the former causes a person to perpetually experience humor, while the latter causes a person to never experience humor. However, there is one important and surprising similarity between the two. Although patients with Witzelzucht find their own jokes hysterical, they are actually largely unable to find anything funny about jokes told by other people. Man, this is sounding more and more like me. I am so much more hilarious than everyone else on Earth. Just look at Jennifer. Rude and uncalled for. <laughs> Witzelzucht is typically caused by some kind of brain damage in the frontal lobes. Usually, people who display symptoms of Witzelzucht have previously had a brain hemorrhage, a stroke, a neurodegenerative disease, or some kind of traumatic brain injury. The reasoning why Witzelzucht occurs is most often framed in terms of the incongruity theory of humor, which is the leading theory of how humor works from a neurocognitive standpoint. It explains that in order to understand a joke, we first have to recognize what is incongruent between the setup and the punchline. Take, for instance, the joke, how do you make a Venetian blind? Poke him in the eye. Ha. We Comedy. See, we see that the setup of the joke refers to window shutters, but the punchline refers to a human being. This contrast surprises us, which forces us to search for an alternative interpretation in order to internally resolve that incongruity. In this case, once we realize that Venetian blind can be a term for a window covering as well as a person from Venice who is unable to see, we come to a new understanding and experience humor. Coming to this mental resolution requires usage of many different parts of the brain, including both of the frontal lobes. Therefore, because a person with Witzelzucht typically has previous brain damage, it's likely that the signaling processes in the brain involved in understanding humor aren't working properly. For this reason, jokes with punchlines that most people would consider to make sense are rarely understood by people with Witzelzucht, yet the same patients can laugh uncontrollably at punchlines that only make sense in their own mind. Okay, I have this. The incongruity theory of humor can also explain why humor is often poorly understood by people affected by Asperger's syndrome. According to Dr. Jason McCormick, writing for the Asperger Autism Network, people with Asperger's often display a particularly strict way of thinking that emphasizes consistency, rules, and predictability. 
In contrast, understanding a joke requires a flexible manner of thinking that can comprehend double meanings, figurative language, and oftentimes, people saying the exact opposite of what they mean. Because of this, McCormick finds that while people with AS can and do convey and understand humor, they do so in a way that emphasizes straightforwardness. Another reason it would be incorrect to say that people with AS do not experience humor is that they visibly display an intention to make other people laugh and to laugh themselves. Asperger's doesn't cause a sense of humor to disappear. Rather, it inhibits comprehension and production of jokes with more complex punchlines. Other factors besides a disorder can lead people to lose their senses of humor. For example, becoming a workaholic. Being a workaholic, while not an actual illness, can have serious repercussions on one's mental health and general quality of life. In Research Companion to Working Time and Work Addiction, Ronald J. Burke states that over time, as a workaholic's psychological and physical health deteriorates, he or she loses the childlike feelings of joy, laughter, optimism, and wonder. As a result, workaholics don't find typical humor funny anymore and instead turn to black humor, such as sarcasm, ridicule, or caustic put-downs, meaning a bitter, sarcastic insult. Burke also claims that workaholics diabolically laugh or sneer in response to black humor, which he interprets as them asserting their superiority over others. Ha 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 ha! Workaholic. It's possible that workaholics take themselves too seriously, which inhibits their ability to enjoy lighthearted humor. While some people may think they appear more mature and professional by avoiding positive humor, Burke states that humor is an essential component of maturity. So therefore, by not giving in to telling or laughing at silly immature jokes, workaholics actually prove that they're very immature. Dad? <laughs> what? I'm kidding. <laughs> Self-deprecating sarcastic jokes can sometimes be funny, particularly when they're directed at me, but the moment a person starts exclusively using black humor and doesn't appear to appreciate positive humor anymore, friends and family should probably be concerned, as there may be some underlying psychological issues at play. Speaking of psychological issues... Okay, that's a segue. Yeah. Another factor that can cause narrowing of a person's sense of humor is having narcissistic personality disorder. But Jennifer, what is narcissistic personality disorder? Well, the DSM-5 describes this disorder as a pattern of grandiosity, need for admiration, and lack of empathy, and states that afflicted people may display suspiciousness and social withdrawal. These people often shy away from others for fear that their flaws may be revealed, ruining their desired perception of being perfect and superior to others. Okay, I think I have this one too. Sam Vaknin, author of Narcissist and Psychopathic Leaders, describes how narcissists act in social situations when the opportunity arises for them to assert their superiority. While, according to Vaknin, narcissists have no time to waste on social interactions and humor, they do use backhanded humor in social situations, which basically consists of them insulting another person in the form of brutally honest advice. Jennifer, you should take up a different hobby than radio. Humor. <laughs> Furthermore, people with narcissistic personality disorder are easily insulted by other people's jokes, which seems pretty hypocritical. Perhaps they interpret other people's jokes as having the same malignant intentions as theirs because it's the only humor they know how to use, as Vaknin describes narcissists' senses of humor as constricted. Take, for example, Donald Trump. Now, Jennifer wrote President Donald Trump in the script, but I refuse to call him that. <laughs> I know, I, it like, kind of pained me to put President Donald Trump. According to psychologist Nigel Barber, 
While psychiatrists are reluctant to publicly diagnose Trump as a narcissist, the DSM-5 presents diagnostic criteria so clear-cut that it's hard to ignore the correlation between Trump's personality traits and the characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder. He also constantly criticizes people, places, and things while not taking anyone's criticisms of himself lightly. Take, for example, this clip of Donald Trump responding to Marco Rubio's accusation that Donald Trump is, how you say, not well endowed. And as far as, and I have to say this, I have to say this, he hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee you. Okay. All in all, we don't know enough about Agent Powers to determine if there's a possible underlying disorder that causes him to be humorless. The writers most likely included this fake affliction for the sake of laughs, which is kind of ironic if you think about it. The writers essentially made a joke out of a man's inability to comprehend or experience humor. While being humorless is not a real disorder by itself, as we've discussed, it can be a real side effect or symptom of several real diseases. If we're not careful, some narcissists may take offense at Agent Power's fake disorder and start insulting Gravity Falls. What a tragedy that would be. Okay, Gravity Falls is a failing Disney Channel cartoon. They need to bring back Phineas and Ferb. I don't disagree. That's all we have to say for now, but what do you think? Do you have a question or contribution to today's discussion? If so, send us an email at afflictionfiction at wnyu.org. For now, I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. Thanks for listening. And get well soon. Gravity Falls, Season 2, Episode 1, Scaryoke, was written by Jeff Rowe, Matt Chapman, and Alex Hirsch, and is property of Disney ABC Domestic Television. Left Brain, Right Brain was written by Bo Burnham and is property of Comedy Central Records. Lover's Carvings by Bibio was written by Stephen Wilkinson and is property of Warp Records.